You are now listening to Disciples in Progress, where believers in Christ renew their lives. Join the DIP community weekly as you learn about new ways of implementing God's word for practical use in your everyday life. Without further ado, now introducing your host and fellowship friend, Tamika Gray. Hello, hello, hello. You are now listening to Disciples in Progress, and this is episode number 31. This episode is titled Many Men Wishing Death, Genesis, the miniseries. We are getting into the book of Genesis because, y'all, we have to start from the beginning, right? The beginning of the Bible is so important to know because it sets the foundation. Foundation of anything is so good because it symbolizes stability. You can't, well, you shouldn't build your house knowingly without understanding the origin stories this month we are going to be zooming through the various stories within genesis to help us build so i'm gonna break down the layout of the next couple of shows and i want to acknowledge that i know this episode for today is late y'all i was slipping this weekend okay um but i am still on it you're still gonna get the show today on monday but i want to add an extra show right So let's talk about it. How is this about to work for the next couple of weeks? Um, We are going to we're going to get through the whole book of Genesis by the end of November. I'm going to be adding in a few extra shows to make sure that I do get all of Genesis down. Um, And so with that being said, we're going to first start off with the mini series of Genesis. And then we're going to be getting into the Genesis in the beginning series. Right. And so what is the difference between the mini series and the beginning series? First of all, the book of Genesis have several stories, right? You're there's like five different stories in one book. And so it's so much going on. It transitions so quickly. Like one minute you're talking about Adam and Eve. The next minute you're talking about Cain and Abel. The next minute you're talking about Noah's Ark. The next minute you're talking about Abraham. So you see what I'm saying? It's just so much going on. And there are some really good passages within the book of Genesis that I want to highlight so we're going but they're super small right they're only like barely even like one chapter you know what I'm saying and so that's where we're going to be tackling in the mini series of Genesis and then my next series that I will be doing within this month is called in the beginning right and that's where we talk about Noah's Ark Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his dreams. And so those are like the core stories of Genesis. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And with that, let's get to the keys. One, two, three, four. Okay, so we just talked about the differences between the mini series that's going to be going on and then versus the in the beginning series. So we're taking all the small stories and then we're going to be going through the uh, main stories later on in the month. And so today for some of the small stories, the uh, key takeaways from the small stories is first, we're going to be starting starting in the garden of where Adam and Eve was created. And so that's going to be in chapters two and three. We will be reading from the New Living Translation. And then the second um, key takeaway for this uh, episode is I like to call title it World Gone Wrong, which I think is actually the title of it, the subheading title in my actual Bible. And this is going to be zooming in on chapter six in Genesis. And we're going to be looking at what happens right right after Adam and Eve had children and then their children had children and there's something that really interesting takes place in chapter six but it's so small that you probably never even paid attention to it the first time that you read it and then the last key takeaway that we're going to be discussing is um jumping into the tower of babel and why it's important because of language, right? That's when we're going to get into some interesting things, talking about the language and stuff like that. And so that's going to be in chapter six, chapter 11 of Genesis. And so with that being said, I just want to say, I know this seems a little like it's all over the place, but just work with me, right? 
There is a method to my madness. This is math class, so don't miss too many episodes because you will get lost. You 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 will get lost, and I'm not of the notion of no child child left behind, baby. You gonna get left behind. So I need you to really um have your Bible with you if it's possible because we're gonna be doing a lot of reading today. And um, um, with that being said, let's get into the breakdown, get into the breakdown. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. So we are going to be starting with the garden, right? Yes, we're going to be getting into the garden, but then we're going to break down the curse. So we are starting in chapter two and three. And the main points that I want to highlight after I finish reading is first point that I want to highlight in the garden is the making of man and the making of woman and then their roles right so pay attention to that as I read that aloud and then the second thing that I want you to take away from when we're reading in the garden and about the curses is the details of the garden in the order of the animals so just pay attention to the structuring of how God lays out the garden right And then the last thing that we're going to be talking about, of course, is the curse, right? We're going to be talking about the serpent and the curse, and we're going to be breaking that down, too. So we're really about to get into it, y'all. I really want to encourage you guys to get your books right now so that you can keep up and follow along. Um, Again, I will be starting in chapter two. I'll be reading chapter two and chapter three. Y'all know if I don't know a word, I'm either going to spell it out for you. I'm just going to start with the first uh, letter because you don't. You don't want to get into the text and then start to try to enunciate things that you don't know how to pronounce and just it it throws you off. And so to alleviate that, because there's some names in here that I don't know, I ain't even going to try to make a fool out of myself. But um, I just want you to be aware that you may hear me say E or T or G, you know, sometimes. And just that's why I need you to read your book so you can see, too. So with that being said, we're hopping right into Genesis chapter two. And it starts like this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it to be holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Subheading states like this the man and the woman in eden let's get into it it says when the lord god made the earth and the heavens neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth for the lord god had not yet sent rain to water the earth and there were no people to cultivate the soil instead springs came up from the ground and watered all the land then the lord god formed the man from the dust of the ground he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person then the lord god planted a garden in eden in the east and there he placed the man he had made the lord god made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, then dividing into four branches. The first branch called the pea flowered around the entire land of the H where gold is found. The gold of this land is exceptionally pure a rinsin and oxen stones were also found there. So like some stones were found there. Um, moving on. The second branch called the G flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch called the Tigris flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the E. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden intend to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. 
Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man and to see what he would call them. And the man chose the name for each one. He gave names to all of the livestock and all of the birds of the sky and all of the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Chapter three. The man and woman sin. The serpent was Scrooge's S H R E W D E S T. That word's important. Basically, let me read it back. The serpent was the sharp powers of judgment of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat? the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took this so she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they shrewd fig leaves together and covered themselves. When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I'm heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked. The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the gods, then God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, graveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will curse and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offsprings and her offsprings. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pains of your pregnancy and in the pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said. Since you listened to your wife and ate of the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living, scratch a living from it. It will grow thorn and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains by the sweet by the sweat of your brow. 
you will have food to eat until you return to the ground of until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were made from dust and to dust you will return woo guys that was a lot right so that's chapter two and three of Genesis, where we get into the beginning of Adam and Eve, the creation of the two of them and the interaction with the serpent and then the curse that was given to follow after that interaction. And so first I want to highlight the making of the man and the woman and their roles, right? Because in 2022, we are online and social media we have people talking about the battle of the sexes and this is what the man's supposed to do and this is what the woman's supposed to do and well men are supposed to be the leaders and if the woman messes up then who's to blame well the blame should go to the men because he's the head and not the tail and blah 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 everybody just like to argue but anyway so we're gonna be talking about how God made the man versus how God made the woman and what their purposes were, right? And so um, in verse seven, in chapter two, it states, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostril and the man became a living person, right? And then it jumps all the way down to 18 and it says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right from him. So it starts at verse seven of the creation of men. And then God doesn't think to add any person or another living thing to Adam until all the way down to verse 18. Right. And so I think that's important. Um, and so then it gets into the description of the making of Eve all the way down into verse 21. And it reads like this. So the Lord God cursed the man. I mean, it says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep while the man slept. The Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed the opening. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Verse 25 reads, now the, now the man and his wife were both naked, but felt no shame. And so in this, we learned that Adam was made from the dust of the earth and Eve was made from the rib of the man, right? Another thing was the purpose in the creation of Eve was to be a help me to Adam. So she is supposed to now help with the duties that Adam has to carry out on or in the garden right what was some of the duties like what was adam's responsibility um in the garden before eve and that's actually illustrated in verse 15 it says in chapter 2 and verse 15 it says the lord god placed the man in the garden of eden to tend and watch over it it's kind of given like the shepherd right who is supposed to watch over the sheeps and lead the sheep in the way in which they're supposed to go. Right. And so God says that, you know, Adam is supposed, I mean, yeah, Adam is supposed to tend and watch over the garden. Um, and then it also jumps down and, and after verse 18, where it talks about, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. Let me make a helper. And so God starts making all of these animals and he's like, you know, I made wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what the man would call them. And the man chose the name for each one. And so he also had an assignment while he was in the garden. It was his responsibility to name all the animals and things that was on the earth, a.k.a. give identity. So what is Adam's role? Adam's role is to watch and tend over the things in which God has created. But he's also given the responsibility to attach names, aka identities to the things on this earth, right? And so how does that translate in 2022? Well, in modern day society, when you get married, you know, because we're talking about Adam and Eve, so of course they're married, right? Husband and wife. Um, when you get married, a woman's last name changes, right? That is kind of like the naming of the woman, right? Your name now changes. Therefore, an identity is placed on you. Um, now, that could be triggering from some ears. Please don't take it any, don't take the spirit of offense. And the spirit of offense 
keeps you from hearing what I'm saying. So don't take anything to heart. Just listen to the words. It says in the book that Adam's responsibility was to name choose a name for all of the animals, right? And so the way that that correlates in 2022 is with Adam, when you marry your husband, your name, your last name is supposed to be changed. You now assume a new name, right? And so there's the identity given. And then as you know, in 2022, your man is supposed to watch and tend over his household. You know what I'm saying? And so he's supposed to go out, provide, protect, and maintain you, your, 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 y'all standard of living, right and that's how that's supposed to operate now what is eve's role eve is supposed to be a help me right and so what does a help me do well if adam's job is to tend and watch over the garden then she's going to assist him in tending and watching over the garden this eve get rights to help name all the animals of the earth no because adam already did that he already assigned the identity now he just needs her help to maintain the garden right and so that's what you are supposed to do as a wife in the role with your husband is to help him build whatever it is that his assignment was already given to him by god um and so we just gonna leave that right there i'm not gonna go too much further into that Move it on. Um, so the next point that I want to highlight in chapters two and three, where we're talking about the garden and the curse, is the details and the order of the garden, right? And so I want to highlight in chapter two, it breaks down this. Verses eight through nine says that God planted the garden, right? But at first he said, neither wild plants nor grain were growing on earth for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth and there were no people to cultivate the soil so he couldn't god couldn't create the garden yet because there was nobody to tend to it which is why adam was created so that he could manage and steward over the things that god had created and so once he created adam in verse 8 it reads like this then the lord god planted a garden in eden in the east and and there he placed the man he had made then the lord god made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit right and so there you have it the garden was first made then the next thing that god created was a water system and land with treasures and so that can be found in verses 10 through 14 and that's where it talks about a river that flowed in the land of eden which is the name of the garden is called eden the garden of eden um and in the garden of eden there was a river that flowed that split off into four different ways right and so it tells you the names of the different rivers that's within the garden of eden and this river was responsible for watering and nurturing the ground that the plants and stuff lived on um in verses then we're going to jump down and then verses 19 and 20 in chapter 2 god talks about creating animals and birds and that's when they were named and so that's when the animals were placed on the garden right um and so yep yeah, that's what happens that's the order of how the earth was the garden was created first it was plants then it was a water system and then the animals came and we just the order the order matters guys the order matters god is a god of order and so now we're going to get into the serpent and the curse right and so i want to highlight the conversation between eve and the serpent which is in uh chapter three verses one through seven and i'm gonna read that again because we want to really zoom in on what's being talked about right and so the serpent was the sharp powers of judgment of all the wild animals the lord god had made one day he asked the woman did god really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden and then she responds by, by saying, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it for you do not. For if you do, you will die. I want to pause right there before the serpent calls her a liar or or, or says that they won't die. 
The question that was proposed was, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the gar any of the trees in the garden, right? Why is that important? Because the question is disingenuous. He knows that God gave them permission to eat of the fruit in the garden. This is how he tricked tricked Eve because it's like, no, God didn't say that. He said that we could do this. So that's already putting doubt in her mind because he has an understanding that she doesn't in the way that he presented the question. And so when she clarified and even she still got it wrong because she said that, you know, it's only the fruit from the middle, right? It's only the fruit from, from the tree in the middle of the garden. And the reason why I wanted us to go and pay attention to the structure of the garden, which is exactly why I need y'all to read your book, because if y'all don't have it right now, it's probably hard for you to follow along. Um, but the reason why it's important to pay attention to the structure of the garden is because there's actually two trees that's in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And from those trees is where the uh, river splits off into four ways. And so she told the serpent that they can't eat of the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, but there's two trees and there's only one tree that God forbids them to eat from. So let's talk about the two trees that's in the middle of the garden. Let me find it. Um, the garden made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit in the middle of the garden. He placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's jump down. Then it says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. And so she got it wrong because she said that, you know, God said we can eat the fruit from the tree but just not the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. But there's two trees. So she don't even know, right? But she don't know because she wasn't told directly from God that she, you know, the commandment. God told Adam exactly what was to be done and what was not to be done. So the serpent coming to Eve, she don't even know what she's talking about for real because she got it wrong. And he over here being conniving with how he propped the question up. So she's confused. He's confusing her. Right. And then he says he follow ups with her and says, you won't die. The serpent replies to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of this fruit and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Then it says the woman was convinced. She saw the tree. The tree was beautiful. The fruit looked delicious. And she she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she ate the fruit. And then she gave the fruit to her husband. And he ate the fruit. What happens when they immediately eat the fruit? At that moment, their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they shrewd fig leaves together to cover themselves. What happened when they ate of the fruit? Shame entered into the world. Why is that important? Because if you go back into chapter two and verse 25, this is right after Eve was created and Adam was pleased with the creation that God had given him uh, as a helpmate, right? And, and God sealed them off with the blessing of now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. The moment that they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's when shame entered into the world, right? Now they recognize, oh, snap, I'm naked. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, that's what went on. Um, the snake the snake knew that it was it was easier to get to the woman because she was e easier to manipulate in this situation because she wasn't given the original command about what trees she could or could not eat of. She just had the understanding of I can't eat the trees in the middle of the garden when technically there's two trees. She could eat from the tree of life. She just couldn't eat from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. And so the serpent knew this. Right. Because the animals were created before Eve was even thought of. You know what I'm saying? And so he knew these things and he tricked her into doing this. So, yeah, I just wanted to break that down to you. 
And so um, let's jump down to verses uh, 9 through 13 in chapter 3 of Genesis because this shows how people start shifting blames. Like God's about to come to them and say, yo, why y'all hiding from me? What's going on? And then Adam, and then God calls on Adam like, bro, where you at? You know, we usually meet in the morning. I'm out here looking for you. Why am I looking for you? I never had to look for you before. And he has to look for them because now they're shameful. And the first thing that Adam says is he says to God, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Then God responds back to say, who told you you were naked? He said, have you eaten from the tree of whose fruit I commanded you not to? And then this is what Adam does, which is what we see men do all the time online. Adam says, it was the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. He didn't take no responsibility. He didn't take no accountability because God told him first. He told him the commandment. He didn't tell Eve the commandment. He told Adam the commandment. And it was his responsibility as the leader to make sure that she was aware of what she could and could not do. And we just saw in the text that she didn't even know that she could eat from the tree of life. She just knew, girl, I can't eat from the tree in the middle, you know, but I can eat of all the other fruits. And then the serpent was easily able to manipulate her because she didn't even have a proper understanding. And so now she eats of the fruit and then convinces her man to eat it. And now God's coming to ask them what the heck is going on. And he's going to Adam first because he's supposed to be the head. He was the original creation. He's supposed to be the leader. God gave him the commandment first. And he's like, "Mm -mm. it wasn't my fault. It was her fault. God, she gave it to me. And then God turns to Eve and she, and he asked her, what have you done? And guess what she does? She go blame the serpent. She go respond like this. She said, the serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate of it. Right. And so nobody in this situation is taking accountability when Adam should have really just stepped up and said, you know what, God, it's my fault. You know, the fruit was looking good. She had ate of it already. And so I decided to join her in the mistake. And I'm sorry, God, because you know what? You told me first that if I ate of this tree, if I ate of this fruit, I was surely to die. And I should have convinced my wife to not eat of the fruit because I was there when she ate it. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I decided to partake in this sin with her. Right. That's accountability. That's leadership. That's, you know, an outstanding good man. And, you know, I think God wouldn't have probably cursed him if Adam probably just owned up to his sin and asked for forgiveness because we serve a forgiving God. But no, he shifted blame on Eve. And then when God asked Eve, why did she do it? She shifted blame on the serpent instead of just also too taking accountability you know what guy i'm sorry you know the serpent deceived me he told me that this was gonna happen but then she quickly found out that the the knowledge of good and evil the only thing it did was bring shame it brought shame and then it took things out of order and on top of it taking things out of god's order god then had to follow up with them with consequences which comes in the form of a curse which is what we all living through today and so I don't have time to break down the curse like I wanted to because I'm just over time. But those are some things that I, I wanted y'all to look at. I do want to make it very, very clear to you guys that I want to encourage you guys to really sit down with the curse. Right. And I do not want you to read the New Living Translation of the curse because it loses the original substance of what was really said. And I noticed a huge difference from reading the New Living Translation, which is what I read to you guys on the show, versus actually going back to reading the King James Version um, translation of the curse. And it's vastly different. And I know there's a lot of thou art shouts and all of that other stuff, but you can really break it down and maybe I'll get on my Instagram page on disciples in progress and break the curse down to you guys so that we can really sit with that because it's so, so, so important, but I just ain't got no time to do it today. All right. So with that, we are moving on. All right. All right. All right. All right, guys. So we are moving on now to the second key. The second key that we are breaking down is uh, chapter six in Genesis titled World Gone Wrong. We are going to be looking at what happens right after Adam and Eve 
um, have their children and then their children started to have children. And so we're, we're reading about the lineage of the children and what was taking place during the time of Adam and Eve's children living on this earth. And so if you will turn with me to chapter six in Genesis, it reads like this. Then the people begin to multiply on the earth and the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw beautiful women and they took any they wanted as their wives, a.k.a. they had sex, right? The sons of God is the fallen angels. I, I can't get into it right now, but just trust me, right? If you want to have context to that, go back and read Romans chapter 12 and it'll tell you about the fallen angels, right? Um, and I actually talked about this on one of my previous episodes too. So I'm going to read this again so that you can get a better understanding. Um, we're in Genesis chapter six, um, reading the new living translation and reads like this. Then the people begin to multiply on the earth and the daughters were born to them. So regular human daughters. Then it says the sons of God, which is the fallen angels saw beautiful women and they took any they wanted as their wives, AKA they started effing. Okay, I'm sorry. That was vulgar. They started having sex, y'all. Okay, so think about fallen angels, aka, in my opinion, demonic entities, having sex with human women. And guess what they're going to create? Non-human people. So let's get into it. So then it says, then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. For they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Why did God do this? Because if you read about Adam's and Eve's lineage, these people were living up to 830 years old, 750 years old, you know, 815 years old. That's a long time to be living. And God was just like, "Mm -mm, this is too much. Like y'all here for a long time. And y'all still making more people. And now y'all making people with demons. I mean, my fallen angels, you know what I'm saying? And then it's anyway. So we're going to keep reading. It says in those days for some time after giant nipplants in E P H I L I T E S. These are giants of that time lived on the earth. Where did these giants come from? They came from, Human women having intercourse with the sons of God, a.k.a. the fallen angels. And so they created um, these nymphalums or nymphalums. Anyways, um, so it says in those days for some time after giant nymphalums lived on the earth for whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes of famous warriors of ancient times the lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil so the lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth it broke his heart and the lord said i will wipe this human race i have created from the face of the earth Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. And so right after this, it talks about Noah's ark and him building an ark, and then the flood came, and that's how God ended up wiping the earth clean. Um, He destroyed the earth because, you know, when the human women were having sex with the the sons of God, a.k.a. the fallen angels, they were creating these um, babies, offsprings that weren't humans. They were supernatural. Right. They had supernatural abilities. um, And then, you know, I'm not saying that these creatures that they were creating were causing ruckus on the earth but i mean that's what i'm assuming because it didn't start to get bad like the thoughts and the weakness didn't start to happen until that intercourse started to take place and so one thing that i want to highlight and i want you to take away from this is that first of all when your creation starts to destroy or hinder god's original creation 
that's when God has smoke for us, right? And so whatever you're producing out on this earth, if that is now hindering what it is that God's original plan and purpose for us was to have, then that is where he has issues with us because now you are taking something that was supposed to be one way and now you're doing it another way and now that's hindering from what I originally sought for my world to look like. You out of pocket, you out of place. And so, you know, that's when he comes in, he starts wreaking havoc on this earth because, uh-uh, how dare you try to step outside of my alignment? No, sir. No, that's not the authority that I've given you. Um, And so I know this chapter can get a little strange, right? It's given mythology. It's given UFOs. It's given spiritual realm 2.0 in the flesh. And that's okay, right? It's okay. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the uh, movie called Percy Jackson's The Greek Mythologies. And if you see it, then you understand what I'm talking about. And this is why I keep trying to tell y'all that there's so much more to the text than what you are reading, right? We just went through talking about this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against about it's against the principalities of the unseen world. It's a it's about a power and a fight against things in the heavenly places, y'all. This is you know what I'm saying? And at one point, these things these creatures used to be able to live in physical form on the earth with us as human beings. And they decided to start having sex with human women to create their own creations. Right. And so it became wicked and God didn't like what it was producing and it was destroying his original creation because now there, you know, these things are towering over God's creation. And that wasn't the order. That wasn't the order. And so God had to let that thing go with the Noah's Ark, which we will get into details about that later. But yeah, so that's chapter uh, six, the world gone wrong. And that's when God finally decided in the, in the, the first time when he destroyed the earth, because in my opinion, he kind of destroys it a few times. Um, and he just starts completely over. He just kills everybody, kills everything. And with the flood, and he starts completely over. And this is exactly why I call him a gangster, okay? Because he's a thug about here in these streets. You keep effing around, you're going to keep effing around. <laughs> and you're going to see, you're going to find out who he really is, right? And so, um, yes. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on. All right, guys, so we are going to be reading um, chapter 11 in Genesis. I'm telling y'all, we jumping around. This is the mini series, so y'all got to keep up, okay? I am highlighting these specific separate stories. They ain't got nothing to do with each other. Because they are so small, but they are super important. And there are several stories given in Genesis. And so I wanted uh, to go through these and bring these forth to you so that you can pay attention because these stories are easy to look over. And so now we are in chapter 11 in, Gen- in the book of Genesis. I'm going to read the King James version of this because yet again, my new living translation Bible that I have does not pick up on the 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 substance it actually left out some key things that will alter your understanding of this particular story that's called the tower of babel right and so i told y'all once we start to spiritually mature and our reading and our understanding it's important for you to cross check these books that you're reading with the King James version, because these translations, you know, start to take things out. That is so important for us to understand, to have a true understanding of the original context. And so with that being said, I'm not even going to waste our time because again, this is super long, but we had to get through it. Friends. We had to get through it. Um, we're going to be reading the tower of Babel in chapter 11. Um, and I think it's important for us to read this because this kind of backs up what I'm talking about, like language, languages causes a division and then diction, which is your, your choice in words. So what type of words are you using? Your types of words that you use causes an emotional divide because there can be, there can be five words that are different, but they all have the same meanings. I think those are called synonyms, right? When I done used the word different so many times, I'm going to go look up the synonym 
for a different so that I can make sure that I'm um not uh repeating. It don't sound like it just be dry after a while. You don't say it different five times in the same passage. Like, girl, come on. Alrighty, guys. So let's get to reading. And the whole earth and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of S. And they dwelt there, a.k.a. they lived there. And they said to one another, go to let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick of stones and slime had they had thy for mortar. Okay, let me reread that. And they said one to another, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick of stone. And they and then they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name. Least we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So what's going on before I keep reading? Right. It's some it's not. It's basically the descendants. So after. So I got to catch y'all up after Noah. As Ark happens, you know, him and his children were finally, once the dry, once the land dried up, they were able to now get back on the earth, right? And so, again, we go to a period in the Bible where their children started having children and their children started having children. And so, boom, now there's people back on the earth. And everybody on this earth now speaks the exact same language. And so, they're journeying out in the east of the earth right now. And they found some land and they decided, okay, this is where we want to live, right? And so as they decided, okay, this is where we want to live, they found some materials to start building their home. And they're building a city and they're building a tower. The purpose of the tower is to reach up into heaven because they want to make a name for themselves. Again, this is highlighting how people tend to want to be, do things like outside of God's will, the purpose of them building this tower up to heaven is because they want to make a name for themselves. They don't want to be associated with Christ. And so let me keep reading, right? I just gave you a summary of what we just read. And so then it says this, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men were building. And then the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language and this begins to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to us, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from these upon the face of all the earth and they, and they shall, and they left off to the building of the city. And so pause again, there's so much they thou's and I'm not even like really getting into the weeds of it. Let me just summarize what we just read. Right. And so basically, you know, after the children decided, okay, boom, we got this material. We about to build this tower and we about to build this city. God is watching his children. Right. And he's saying, mm, so they building a city and a tower and the people all can speak the same language. This is why they're able to work together. And he's seeing that they're building this tower so that they can be restrained on their own and they can do whatever it is that they imagine to do, which is go against the Lord. Like they're building this tower to prove to the Lord that they are just as great as he is and they can build their own name for them own selves. And so God was like, uh-uh. why y'all keep trying to have a life without me? That's not what I created you to do. And so he told he's up in heaven talking to his little angel friends, you know what I'm saying? He said, let's go down there and confound their language. The definition of confound is surprised or confused, right? So that they don't understand each other. So God then, that's why we have like people speak Spanish, people speak English, people speak German, people speak French, people, you know, different dialects, different speeches, right? Because one time we could all speak the same language, but once we all spoke the same language, we were able to work together, right? There was no language barriers. Again, like I started, language causes division. 
And I know you're probably thinking like, why would God want to cause division amongst his people? Because the people were starting to band together to try to come up against God. And he ain't about to have that happen. I just told y'all when your creation starts to destroy or hinder God's original creation, that's when he going to have smoke for that. I ain't got to finish it. And so, yeah, that's what happened. God and his angels end up going down there and he was like not only did he split them up amongst different languages but he also decided to separate them from each other and so he started moving people on the other side of the earth and scattering them around and so now they're not even in the same group anymore um i'm not even gonna read the rest of it because i'm super sleepy at this point but you should definitely finish the rest of it um it just goes into the separation of the uh, different people um and now the new languages that goes to place. Um, and so, again, I just wanted to highlight the Tower of Babel because that um, talks about how language caused division and how your words, the words that you use, can cause emotional divide. Um, again, you got to remind yourself when your creation is made to overthrow or to separate yourself from God, then your creator God is going to have smoke for you and he's going to do what he needs to do to separate y'all. And I want to bring this up to first Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 recite like, right reads like this for God is not the author of confusion, confusion, but of peace. And I know people be like, Oh, the Bible be contradicting itself, this, that, and the third. And this could be an instance where you could believe that, but I don't think that that's the case in this sense, because, again, if you what you're doing as a human starts to try to go against God or you trying to whatever you're creating is causing, you know, a, 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 a efforts for you to separate yourself from God, he's going to stop it. And if that means he has to confuse the language amongst his amongst his children to ensure that they don't work together on one accord to come up against God, he going to do what he needs to do. If that means that he has to flood the earth and kill everything on it and destroy everything on the earth because his original creation starts to have sex with the, the falling angels and it starts to cause wickedness and wayward things to happen on this earth, then he's going to do what he needs to do right because whatever whenever you start to step outside of God's order and you start to cause his original divine purpose to teeter off of any type of way he's gonna do what he needs to do because this is his world okay now when you become the creator of your own world then you can do what you want in your world but you don't have that power you have authority and dominion over your life Right. And so you can do what you want in your life. But if whatever you do in your life stops, starts to hinder God's original plan, he going to have smoke for you. All right, y'all. And there you have it, folks. Another powerful message given to me by God. Always remember, he works on me to get through to you with every episode. And if you enjoyed this be a dear guys please share the show y'all please share it if you share it it brings more people to me that's all i'm asking for y'all to do and if you want to support me more you can follow me on instagram at d-i-s-c-i-p-l-e-s in progress on instagram and we should pop right up don't forget to leave a review bye